You're listening to the After the Stork podcast, Infant and Toddler Sleep with Megan Robert. This is the second episode of season two and episode 17 of the entire podcast. In this episode, we're going to go over the American Association of Pediatrics 19 Safe Sleep Guidelines with an emphasis on the ones that cause confusion or that social media influencers or even other professionals often seem to either not know or decide to ignore when giving sleep advice. So tune into this episode so you can learn how to keep your baby safe with sleep and how you can pick up on unsafe sleep practices, advice, baby gadgets that often are presented in the media as something that's just normal when it comes to infant sleep. Before getting started, I want to give a quick disclaimer. I am not a medical professional. I help families from a behavioral perspective. This podcast and all of its episodes are for educational and informational purposes only. They are meant to promote the general understanding of child sleep for you as a parent and anyone who works with younger children. The information contained within this episode and the resources available for download are not intended as and shall not be understood or construed as medical advice or substitute of medical advice. Welcome to the After the Stork podcast, Infant and Toddler Sleep with Megan Robert. That's me, creator and host. If you have an infant or toddler and sleep is a priority for your family, if you want to create healthy sleep habits and a strong and safe sleep foundation for your little one, if you desire a predictable schedule that permits time for things like self-care, date nights, and planned outings, If you need your bed back or want your child sleeping in their own sleep space and desire to follow safe sleep guidelines, if you crave an overall well-rested and thriving family, well, you've come to the right place. As an infant and toddler sleep consultant, I built this podcast to bring you all things infant and toddler sleep and sleep training so that you can have the confidence in making informed decisions that are best for your family when it comes to your child's sleep. Your child is worth it. Your family is worth it. And moms, dads, you are worth it. Now let's dive in. With this being the last week of October, it is only fitting to talk about safe sleep guidelines. October is Infant Loss Awareness Month, SIDS Awareness Month, pretty much anything that has to do with losing an infant. So since my specialty is sleep We're going to cover the 19 safe sleep guidelines provided by the American Association of Pediatrics with an emphasis on the ones that cause confusion often for parents or caregivers and the ones that professionals often seem to either not know or decide to ignore when giving sleep advice. I've heard things from my own clients. I see things on social media from professionals and influencers. So we're going to clear a few things up here. Before we do, though, why listen to the AAP? Why is that our go-to source? As Katie Kovaleski, the department head of the FSI Safe Sleep Initiative for the Family Sleep Institute, that's the organization with which I am certified as a sleep consultant, as Katie puts it, The AAP is the most researched, knowledge-based, empirical resource we have when it comes to safe sleep. I support their evidence and their stance. The first guideline of the AAP is to place infants on their back to sleep for every sleep until one year old. 
So some popular questions or concerns we get with this one. But what if baby rolls over? The AAP states, although data to make specific recommendations as to when it is safe for infants to sleep in the prone or side position are lacking, studies establishing prone and side sleeping as risk factors for SIDS include infants up to one year of age. Therefore, the best evidence suggests that infants should continue to be placed supine on their back until one year of age. Once an infant can roll from stomach to back and from back to stomach, the infant can be allowed to remain in the sleep position that he or she assumes. Because rolling into soft bedding is an important risk factor for suid after three months of age, parents and caregivers should continue to keep the infant's sleep environment clear of soft or loose bedding. Another popular question with this one is, well, what if baby has reflux? Yes, still place baby on their back, even if they have reflux. But won't this be a choking hazard? No, this position does not increase the risk of choking and aspiration. The AAP states that the risk of SIDS outweighs the benefit of prone or lateral sleep position on GER. Therefore, in most infants from birth to 12 months of age, supine positioning during sleep is recommended. Prone positioning is acceptable if the infant is observed and awake, particularly in the postprandial period, but prone positioning during sleep can only be considered in infants with certain upper airway disorders in which the risk of death from GERD may outweigh the risk of SIDS. Examples of such upper airway disorders are those in which airway protective mechanisms are impaired, including infants with anatomic abnormalities who have not undergone anti-reflux surgery. There is no evidence to suggest that infants receiving nasogastric or orogastric feedings are at an increased risk of aspiration if placed in the supine position. Elevating the head of the infant's crib is ineffective in reducing gastroesophageal reflux and is not recommended. Safe sleep guideline number two. Use a firm sleep surface that conforms to the safety standards of the Consumer Product Safety Commission, or CPSC. The AAP states that a firm surface maintains its shape and will not indent or conform to the shape of the infant's head when the infant is placed on the surface. Soft mattresses, including those made from memory foam, could create a pocket or indentation and increase the chance of rebreathing or suffocation if the infant is placed in or rolls over to the prone position. So keep in mind the best place for your infant is in a space specifically made for infant sleep that conforms to those safety standards. Those are products that have the term crib, bassinet, or play yard in their title. Guideline number three, breastfeeding is recommended. Guideline number four, room sharing close to parent's bed, but on a separate surface designed for infants, ideally for the first year, but at least first six months. Some important things to note for this one. Room sharing and bed sharing both fall under co-sleeping but they are different things. Room sharing is having your infant sleep in the same room as you, but in a separate space. Bed sharing is having your infant sleep in a bed with you or another individual, including animals. The AAP suggests room sharing while avoiding bed sharing. But a quick note from the AAP on bed sharing for those of you breastfeeding and possibly falling asleep in the middle of the night while doing so. The AAP states that the safest place for an infant to sleep is on a separate sleep surface designed for infants close to the parent's bed. However, the AAP acknowledges that parents frequently fall asleep while feeding the infant. 
Evidence suggests that it is less hazardous to fall asleep with the infant in the adult bed than on a sofa or armchair should the parent fall asleep. It is important to note that a large percentage of infants who die of SIDS are found with their head covered by bedding. Therefore, if you are going to possibly fall asleep with your child in your bed, so if you're taking your child into your bed, remove pillows, sheets, blankets, or any other items that could obstruct infant breathing or cause overheating. None of that stuff should be in the bed. Parents should also follow safe sleep recommendations outlined elsewhere in the AAP Safe Sleep Guidelines statement. Because there is evidence that the risk of bed sharing is higher with longer durations, if the parent falls asleep while feeding the infant in bed, the infant should be placed back on a separate sleep surface as soon as the parent wakes. Now, the room sharing recommendation that was made was made primarily to encourage parents to stop bed sharing by giving an alternative that would keep a baby close by since unsafe bed sharing was leading to so many infant deaths. However, new evidence has come to show that room sharing might not actually be the safest sleep situation, as it is indicating room sharing actually leading to higher incidences of unsafe sleep practices. A study in the July 2017 issue of Pediatrics found that room sharing with infants ages 4 through 9 months was associated with less nighttime sleep, shorter sleep stretches, and unsafe sleep practices. This study, titled Mother-Infant Room Sharing and Sleep Outcomes in the Insight Study, emphasizes the need for more research on the effects of room sharing and its impact on the quality of sleep for infants and parents. Study authors conclude that the poor sleep-related outcomes and unsafe sleep practices they found in room sharing infants should lead to a reconsideration of the duration of the room sharing recommendation. Basically, even when you're room sharing, it is still important to follow the general guidelines of safe sleep, no matter how vigilant you think you might be or how well you think you know how you sleep. That would be place your child down back to sleep alone in a CPSC standard sleep space for infants. And if you think you might fall asleep while breastfeeding, your bed is safer than a chair or couch. Just make sure to remove all bedding and move baby when you wake next. Number five. Keep soft objects and loose bedding away from infant sleep area to reduce SIDS, suffocation, entrapment, and strangulation. This includes things such as bumpers, blankets, pillows, stuffed animals, hats, socks, any piece of clothing that might fall off. Guideline number six, consider offering a pacifier at nap time and bedtime. A popular question with this one is, should I keep putting the pacifier back in? I feel like I'm constantly having to put the pacifier back into my baby's mouth. Or maybe they just don't seem to want it. If your baby refuses the pacifier, you do not need to force them to take it. In those cases, try to offer the pacifier again when the infant is a little bit older. The pacifier also does not need to be reinserted for it to have its positive effect on decreasing the risk of SIDS once the infant falls asleep. And if you are breastfeeding, Keep in mind that you do not want to offer the pacifier until you have established a strong breastfeeding relationship. I would encourage you to talk to a lactation consultant or your pediatrician when you are deciding whether or not to add in the pacifier. Sleep guideline number seven, avoid smoke exposure during pregnancy and after birth. Sleep guideline number eight, avoid alcohol and illicit drug use during pregnancy and after birth. Number nine, Avoid overheating and head covering in infants. A popular question that comes up with this one is, how do I know what is considered overheating? What should I even consider when it comes to this? 
In general, infants should be dressed appropriately for their sleep environment, with no greater than one layer more than an adult would wear to be comfortable in that environment. I suggest going based off of the individual in your house that is the warmest. Second, evaluate the infant for signs of overheating, such as sweating or the infant's chest feeling hot to the touch. And third, avoid overbundling and covering of the face and head. Although studies have shown an increased risk of SIDS with overheating, the definition of overheating in those studies varies. Therefore, it is difficult to provide specific room temperature guidelines to avoid overheating. And note that there is currently insufficient evidence to recommend the use of a fan as a SIDS risk reduction strategy. Safe sleep guideline number 10. Pregnant women should obtain regular prenatal care. There is substantial evidence linking a lower risk of SIDS for infants whose mothers obtained regular prenatal care. Pregnant women should follow guidelines for frequency of prenatal visits. Safe sleep guideline number 11. Infants should be immunized in accordance with recommendations of the AAP and Centers of Disease Control and Prevention. Note that there is no evidence that there is a causal relationship between immunizations and SIDS. Indeed, recent evidence suggests that vaccination may have a protective effect against SIDS. Guideline number 12. Avoid the use of commercial devices that are inconsistent with safe sleep recommendations. The AAP states, be particularly wary of devices that claim to reduce the risk of SIDS. Examples include, but are not limited to, wedges and positioners and other devices placed in the adult bed for the purpose of positioning or separating the infant from others in the bed. Crib mattresses also have been developed to improve the dispersion of carbon dioxide in the event that the infant ends up in the prone position during sleep. Although data do not support the claim of carbon dioxide dispersion unless there is an active dispersal component, there is no harm in using these mattresses if they meet standard safety requirements. However, there is no evidence that any of these devices reduce the risk of SIDS. Importantly, the use of products claiming to increase sleep safety does not diminish the importance of following recommended safe sleep practices. Information about a specific product can be found on the CPSC website. Note that this specific guideline is referring to things like the docotot, the crescent womb, the boppy. Safe sleep guideline number 13. Do not use home cardiorespiratory monitors, such as the outlet, as a strategy to reduce the risk of SIDS. The AAP states, the use of cardiorespiratory monitors has not been documented to decrease the incidence of SIDS. These devices are sometimes prescribed for use at home to detect apnea or bradycardia, and when pulse oximetry is used, decreases in oxyhemoglobin saturation for infants at risk of these conditions. In addition, routine in-hospital cardiorespiratory monitoring before discharge from the hospital has not been shown to detect infants at risk of SIDS. There are no data that other commercial devices that are designed to monitor infant vital signs reduce the risk of SIDS. Safe sleep guideline number 14, provide supervised awake tummy time. The AAP states, Although there are no data to make specific recommendations as to how often and how long it should be undertaken, the task force concurs with the AAP Committee on Practice and Ambulatory Medicine and Section on Neurologic Surgery that a certain amount of prone positioning or tummy time while the infant is awake and being observed is recommended to help prevent the development of flattening of the back of the head and to facilitate development of the upper shoulder girdle strength necessary for timely attainment of certain motor milestones.
Safe sleep guideline number 15. There is no evidence to recommend swaddling as a strategy to reduce the risk of SIDS. The AAP states that swaddling or wrapping the infant in a light blanket is often used as a strategy to calm the infant and encourage the use of the supine position. There is a high risk of death if a swaddled infant is placed in or rolls to the prone position. If infants are swaddled, they should always be placed on their back. Swaddling should be snug around the chest, but allow for ample room at the hips and knees to avoid exacerbation of hip dysplasia. When an infant exhibits signs of attempting to roll, swaddling should no longer be used. There is no evidence with regard to SIDS risk related to the arms swaddled in or out. These decisions about swaddling should be made on an individual basis, depending on the physiologic needs of the infant. Safe sleep guideline number 16. Healthcare professionals, staff in newborn nurseries and NICUs, and child care providers should endorse and model SIDS risk reduction recommendations from birth. Note, though, that this is not always the case. I have heard from my clients some really unsafe tips and advice that other professionals have provided when it comes to sleep. Keep in mind that not everyone is an expert on sleep and safe sleep at that. Safe sleep guideline number 17. Media and manufacturers should follow safe sleep guidelines in their messaging and advertising. The AAP states, media exposures including movie, television, magazines, newspapers, and websites Manufacturer advertisements and store displays affect individual behavior by influencing beliefs and attitudes. Media and advertising messages contrary to safe sleep recommendations may create misinformation about safe sleep practices. A perfect example are some of my favorite shows. Let's start with Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad often showed their infant sleeping in a very unsafe sleep environment often left in the car seat with a blanket, a hat, socks on. Uh, The crib had a bumper, blankets inside of it. Did you know that Breaking Bad has a viewership of over 10 million people? 10 million. All right, how about another show? This is Us. The crib for one of the baby's rooms, the baby's rooms that's supposed to be more modern time, has a mobile on it, has bumpers, has blankets, pillows, stuffed animals inside of it. This Is Us has a total average viewing audience of 5.7 million people per episode in its last season. This made it the fourth most watched scripted series by total viewers. I love both of these shows, but are we not in a time where people who are creating these shows can do some research in order to make sure that they're following safe sleep guidelines? Or is there anyone working on set who can be like, hey, Uh, that's not really safe. We should change that. Another example that has to do with marketing and advertising is all of these baby sleep gadgets. An example that I've run into, one is called, it's called the Crescent Womb. On their website, they say, the first and only infant safety bed. Introducing the safest alternative to co-sleeping bed sharing for babies ages zero to six months old. The Crescent Womb offers a safe and comfy newborn sleep alternative that allows baby to rest or lounge safely outside a parent's arms. The Crescent Womb is a baby hammock. It goes against so many of the AAP safe sleep guidelines. But when I first saw that, I thought, okay, what is it about this product that makes it safe? I was questioning everything I knew about safe sleep. 
And I'm a freaking sleep consultant who has had years of different trainings on safe sleep. So I can just imagine as a parent how often these companies are making you question whether or not their product is actually safe. If they've got really good marketing and advertising people on their team, it's so easy for them to trick us into believing that something is safe. And no, there's nothing out there regulating how they market their products. So be cautious of what you see in advertisements, even if it's a sleep product for a baby. It is not always safe. Double check the AAP safe sleep guidelines. If you're curious in seeing how my experience was when I learned about the crescent womb, I would love for you to go read my blog post on that so you can see how even sleep consultants can be thrown off and how these products manipulate us into thinking that their product is safe. You can read that at afterthestorksleep.com forward slash post forward slash fine print. That's F-I-N-E-P-R-I-N-T. Okay, let's finish up here. I'll get that off my soapbox. The 18th safe sleep guideline of the AAP is to continue the safe to sleep campaign, focusing on ways to reduce the risk of all sleep-related infant deaths, including SIDS, suffocation, and other unintentional deaths. Pediatricians and other primary care providers should act should actively participate in this campaign. And 19, continue research and surveillance on the risk factors, causes, and pathophysiological mechanisms of SIDS and other sleep-related infant deaths with the ultimate goal of eliminating these deaths altogether. Now, I just went over quickly the 19 guidelines that the AAP provides when it comes to safe sleep. If you would like to dive more into these, um, if you would like a checklist of the AAP guidelines, um, if you want to understand how to use products safely and how to avoid using products unsafely, if you would like a checklist for how to go about finding a child care provider who follows safe sleep guidelines and you want to better understand SIDS versus SUIDS and why following these safe sleep guidelines is so important, get access to my free Safe Sleep 101 online course. You can access that at afterthestorksleep.com safe sleep. That's afterthestorksleep.com forward slash safe sleep. I will provide you with the link in the show notes. And as always, remember, your child is worth it, your family is worth it, and you are worth it. Thanks for tuning in to the After the Stork podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast. By doing all of these things, you can help me to reach more families in need of guidance with their little one's sleep. And if you don't already, follow me on Facebook and Instagram using the handle at afterthestork.megan. That's afterthestork.m. E-G-A-N. And if you desire support with your little one's sleep journey, you can reach out to me directly on either one of those platforms. I hope to see you there.